Alright, welcome everybody to the Ram Time Riot Podcast. We're here with Matt Rammer, Bobby Lloyd, and Thomas Mayfield. And we're going to cover some sports because it's been such an exciting week in sports. It's been pretty crazy. And we're going to open up with arguably the biggest story in sports this last week was Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant played his final game um, last week. And it was arguably one of the best sporting events we've seen in a while. It was incredible and was not quite anticipated. Kobe Bryant's really struggled this year, and he looks old as hell when he's on the floor. And he put up 60 points in his last game. However, he did shoot the ball 50 times, and he was 6 for 21 from three-point range. It was kind of a wild game because the Lakers were just giving him the ball at all costs. The other players in the Lakers did not want to shoot at all. And Kobe would be double teamed and he would still shoot. He's never been afraid to shoot. But either way, Kobe Bryant scored 60 points in his final game. And the Lakers were trailing by 14 in the fourth quarter and came back to win. All because of Kobe. And so uh, I'll pass it to you here, Bob. What are your thoughts on, on all of this? Man, that reminded me of vintage Kobe. Just kind of what I've been hoping for the last five years of his career or so. I don't know, three, four years. Whatever it's been, I just keep hoping year after year. It's like, man, maybe this will be the season that Kobe comes back and is at the top of the game and one of the best players in the league. And it's been uh, been disappointing me the last few seasons. But just it was great to see him go out that way. Been a fan of him my whole life. I've been watching basketball since I was six or seven years old, and he's just kind of been a guy that's been there. And um, getting, getting to see him have that great exit, I mean – Pretty ridiculous that he takes 50 shots. Pretty amazing, though, for a 37-year-old to get up that many shots, too. He looked absolutely exhausted yeah, yeah. at the end of the game. He was so winded and so tired, but he's just Kobe. You know, he's one of the clutchest performers of all time. He rises to the big occasion. We started, like, 0 for 5, and it looked his first couple shots were awful. Like, they were not even close. So it was like, I was kind of watching, oh, crap, this is going to be kind of embarrassing, <laughs> right? And sure enough, he completely turned around. He scored 23 points in the fourth quarter and willed his team to a victory. And after the game, he was talking to the Lakers crowd, and you can definitely tell he enjoyed the heck out of it. Oh, yeah, it was perfect. It was, uh, I'm so glad that it wasn't like, okay, Kobe takes 50 shots and scores 35 points and goes out on like the most embarrassing note ever. Um, get, getting to see him go out there, have winning that game against Utah. Um, just having all of his old teammates congratulate him. It was, I, w- I would say it was like it was an emotional moment. It was cool. Maybe it was like something I think I'll always remember. It's like seeing your favorite rock band break up or something like that. You know, he's just he's he's Kobe. He's been around my whole life, and now that was his last game. I was glad I got to see it, and I was glad it was worth watching. You know, yeah, I'm glad it lived up to the hype. No doubt, it was uh, much anticipated. If you followed NBA this year, it's been quite a sequence of following Kobe around. Oh, this is his last game in Indiana. Oh, this is his last game in Miami. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was getting a little annoyed with it, to be honest. And I was happy that it's over, finally, (laughs) a little bit. But it went out positive, and it went out in such a cool fashion. So, So Kobe, I don't know if you guys heard this story about Nick Young and Kobe after the game. So Nick Young is sponsored by Adidas. He had... Uh, some shoes that he wanted Kobe to sign for him after the game. And uh, and Kobe, of course, is a Nike guy, sponsored by Nike. Nick Young has these shoes waiting for Kobe. Nick Young wasn't even on the bench in this game. Kind of a side note there. But, uh, but Kobe sees the shoes, and one, he doesn't sign them. Two, he throws them away. <laughs> so so and that, But then he did make it up to Young. And gave him some Nikes and signed some Nikes for him, but but what a like uh, just another sidebar here. What a like blessing I guess this is for D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young to take some of the news off of them for for I mean Kobe being here and doing this and I, I mean. I mean, it's yeah, overshadowing like, everything. They're lucky Kobe's on their team. Right, I mean, yeah. it, it just seemed like destiny, like the, the news is going to be on Kobe while he's in L.A. It's been that way forever. So that story only had so ma- so much legs beneath it. It could only go, like, go so far before like, our 
attention inevitably switched back to Kobe. You know? Yeah, the, well, for one month into their offseason now, we're going to be talking about Kobe. We're not going to be talking about the Lakers' turmoil and their bleak future and this awful team they're putting on the court right now. We're going to be talking about Kobe and how he went out. And so I feel like for Lakers, they sold more merchandise that game, Kobe merchandise, ever in his career. More than, more than any, any venue in a single day. They broke the record for merchandise sold in a day. Yeah, right. so they're making that's tons not, of that's money. That's not just for uh, for sports either. That inc- that yeah. included like music. Yeah, and- they broke Led Zeppelin's record of most. Uh, Holy crap! It's even better yeah. than I thought. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you're breaking a Led Zeppelin record. You're doing pretty right. well. Right. So that was the most in history. One point two million dollars. The cheapest thing you could buy was like a seventy eight dollar hat or something like Did that. Did it say Kobe Bryant on it, or was it a Laker hat? I think it had. I didn't. I didn't look at it. I was. I was just reading the story, but I heard. Uh, I think it had the number twenty four on it, and that was that was it. Yeah, so I mean, it was all Kobe merchandise. Well, shoot, if you bought way. you bought a ticket to that game, then you could completely afford merchandise there. Those tickets were crazy expensive, so I think a hundred dollar t shirt would be nothing for these people. No. So it's interesting that night, the Kobe Bryant final game night was also, of course, the Warriors breaking the Bulls record of seventy two wins in a season night, but. I was I was watching both, kind of flipping back and forth, and then Kobe just ultimately stole the show, and it was just just Kobe's pure stardom just took over, and who would have thought? Because the story all year has pretty much been been uh, how crazy good this Golden State team is, but Kobe just outshined them. Probably one of the few players in the league that can do that. Or the only a few one. players in history. Yeah, the only yeah. the only player really, the biggest star leaving the game since Michael Jordan. Right. You right. know, and uh, I mean, congratulations to the Warriors of incredible season, and it, and it was a hell of a performance by them. I thought Steph Curry put on a show to end the season. Scored forty six points and didn't play the fourth quarter. <laughs> he hit nine Steph- threes in the first half. I mean, the amount of ways that Steph Curry is incredible. Like we. I get tired of counting them. If we're going to count the efficiency on who uh, had a more efficient night, Kobe or uh, Steph Curry, it's pretty rough. But at, but at, at the <laughs> end of the day, we watch we watch sports to be entertained. You know, it's an it's an entertainment right. venue for us. And Kobe had the brightest lights I've ever seen. Man, it was it was storybook ending. Not necessarily um, going out on top like some guys have had the luxury of being able to. But he went out in his own way. He did Kobe's thing, which was. Breaking his own record for amount of shots. <laughs> it was one of the most memorable going out. I think the best one ever. I can't think of a better final game for some for an athlete. I mean, you could think of like John Elway winning the Super okay, Bowl. that's true. Or that's something true. like that, right? Jerome Bettis winning the Super Bowl. I mean, Ray Lewis winning the Super Bowl. I mean, there's multiple occasions that way. That's true. But for a single performance, 60 points and willing your team to a victory. Yeah. And like you said, stealing the spotlight from the Warriors... When they're making history, that a record they never never thought would be broken, was pretty incredible. And that night of basketball in general was one of the best nights of basketball I've ever watched. And I think something worth noting is that a lot of Kobe's value to the Lakers in the last few seasons hasn't been the the win, in the wins column. It's been in the monetary column. He brings in money to the Lakers, and in his last night with the team, they break the all time record for sales. So I, in so many ways, it was just like, it was it was the culmination of Kobe's career, and it it was, well, well, in so many ways, paying Kobe the most in the league has worked out for the Lakers when it looked so bad for so long. You're paying Kobe Bryant, the most inefficient player in basketball, the highest contract in basketball, but his his star power. Man, it just proves sad to be, to be proves to be sad worth to it. see him be so bad the last few years, man. I because I was big time back in two thousand nine, two thousand eight, two thousand seven when it was the Kobe versus LeBron years, East versus West. Who's the best player in the league? I was right. big time on the Kobe bandwagon. Yeah, and uh, it's been it's been a tough few years. Yeah, I just the whole amount of money they made the last night of Kobe between the ticket sales and the merchandise sales. The Lakers made millions, so I think they're doing okay in that realm, right? Right. So I have a question I'm going to pose for both of you. 
how high on the all-time list do you put Kobe for players? Do you put Kobe top five, top ten? I'm putting you guys both on the spot here. Let's go, Bob. What do you got first? It depends if we're going by position. No, if you, no. So all, if you're not players. going, if you're not going by position, uh, I can't say for sure because I haven't taken the time to write out my list. But I feel like Kobe is not. He's going to be around ten. Around ten, probably a little lower. Maybe around like eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. Um. Thomas, what do so, you think? So there's We're a lot of things you can ways you can answer this question. Do you you can base it on statistics, you can base it on efficiency, you can base it in on, your on mind. Rain, on in rings, your mind, right, right. In your mind. So I'm gonna have to put him probably in the end of the top ten. Nine or ten or something. But I, I was mean, thinking it's in just, the eight to twelve range. So right. Yeah, exactly. Eight to twelve was the range that popped in my head when I thought about it. You're not putting him ahead of Jordan. No. You're not putting him ahead of Jabbar. Or Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Larry Bird. I mean, this list is pretty tough. But what what's going to be interesting when when we look at it in the long run is it's like where is Kobe, and then where does LeBron get to exactly on that on that list? Right. Where does he does does LeBron end up? Does LeBron's legacy end here with uh, with the Warriors becoming a superpower and the Spurs maintaining superpower dome and LeBron? Is kind of an afterthought when we're thinking about who's going to win the championship anymore. Mm-hmm. And so are we looking like, okay, he had some great stats. He only won two championships, and, and the second half of his career wasn't as great as the first half. Or does he come back into superstardom like he did uh, well, for the last six years and kind of just dominate the league that he did for the first half of his career? Well, say he, he does end his career with the two championships, yeah, and he has all these phenomenal statistics it's kind of similar to Wilt Chamberlain, I guess you could make the case, right? I mean, how many championships did Chamberlain have? I'm like, I, I'm lost on I don't know. Know. Chamberlain did not have six championships. Okay, I totally made that number uh, one. No. <laughs> yeah. I think it may be one or two. Yeah, so, I mean, but Chamberlain's still regarded as definitely a top ten player. Well, his numbers are yeah, so obscene and right. insane. Right. I mean, you can't compare LeBron's to Chamberlain's because Chamberlain averaged 50 points in a season. I love and, talking about Chamberlain. And apparently 8.8 blocks a game. Break, so, break down. The- so, there, so we've always kind of wondered how many blocks was Chamberlain getting a game because there's no statistics that were kept on that. So I was curious. I was like, does the internet have any sort of research done on this? And then I, I looked around and there was a website that took the time to go through all of Chamberlain's recorded games and put together the average of blocks he was having per game. So they they figured it out. It was 8.8 blocks a game for Chamberlain, which is just outrageous. Obscene. Yeah, obscene. It's, just, it's, a, it's crazy stuff. So Re- record-breaking. So he was probably getting... Quadruple doubles all over the place. It would, I mean, if his uh, assist numbers were yeah. high. Yeah. Well, the reason, I mean, Ch- Chamberlain is, I believe, the only center that ever led the league in assists. He did that one year after getting public criticism that yeah. he doesn't pass enough. He just led the league in assists. After they told him he didn't pass enough, then he just does that. He averaged fifty points one season. He averaged over twenty-five rebounds multiple times. So it's, it's always been in kind of my mind, like, how many blocks was this guy getting? If if we record triple doubles. Uh, there's that. There's there's got to be like no question. Chamberlain would have the most triple doubles. You would think if, so if you're averaging eight point eight. Pretty much nine blocks a game. I mean, it's probably close to half the games he's getting ten triple double. I mean, ten blocks. Yeah. So I got a, another question here. Yeah. I think this is interesting. So if LeBron say he goes out in the NBA Finals this year, he loses the Warriors or Spurs, right? And say his career is done. After the season, are you putting LeBron or Kobe higher on the all-time greatness list? Kobe. What's your time? I have to go Kobe also. Because of the rings? Is it because of the rings? I think the amount of winning, I'm going to – I place winning pretty high, and I'm going to go ahead and say that's why. This would be LeBron's eighth NBA Finals. Is that right? So he's done a lot of winning. His team has never – crazy set on LeBron James. His team has never lost a first-round series in the playoffs, ever. Ever. That is one of the most ridiculous stats I've heard. Even as growing pains growing in Cleveland, he still managed to get out of the first round. And Michael Jordan lost games in the first round. Kobe's lost in the first round. 
This is pretty incredible to me. When I when I think about th- this question, I think about um, LeBron's physical dominance and what and what's that what that has meant to his game. He's just been absolutely the best athlete in the league since the day he entered the league, and uh, being able to kind of like pushes he almost he won two games in the finals last year just by bullying his way into the paint and getting offensive rebounds and and uh beating beating one of the best teams ever uh two games by himself without without any other superstars with a bunch of role players on the team and he's not even shooting well he's just bullying his way into the paint and making these layups it kind of reminds me so Similar comparison would be like Shaquille O'Neal, you know, like Shaquille O'Neal was so physically dominant that he's just that you can't stop him. And he dominates the league for 10, 15 years, uh, being far and away the best center after the peaks of David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal. There was just nobody that could hang with him at all. The other best centers in the league were he was head and shoulders above him. And so I think that's kind of like a similar instance of what we're looking at with LeBron, his like his physical dominance. But you're still picking Kobe ahead of him. Well, I, I don't know if I even pick Shaq ahead of Kobe. Like Kobe, he's got the most rings of the three of them. Um, he has one think, more than Shaq. I think, I think as long, far as like, I think the longevity of Kobe helps him though too. I mean, no doubt. Yeah, yeah twenty yeah. years is that's a long time. Twenty years. I LeBron's only in his thirteenth year. I, I think if I had to pick which one of them is the hardest worker, I'm picking Kobe. But that's like, not the question. Put, Who's the best the player? So we're talking about hardest worker. We're talking about best player. Yeah, I get it. Okay, so you're, it. You're, you're saying Kobe, which I think Kobe, I would probably say Kobe right now too because he's more accomplished in his career to this point. However, if LeBron wins one more title, I think I'm going to put LeBron ahead of Kobe. You could, I mean, if LeBron wins one more and One more in his, is just and, in this entire okay. rest of his career. Okay. And he's still a dominant player in the league. Not when he's uh-huh. just 40 years old playing off the bench barely. It'll be interesting to see what's going on with LeBron towards towards the end of his years. Like, is he going to remain in Cleveland forever if, if they keep losing and it's clear that they don't have the power to improve and become a title contender? Um, it's going like to be where, where does his legacy go if if he say he were to leave Cleveland again? A lot of people think it's impossible. I think it's almost likely. So this uh, is Bobby's bold prediction of the day, right here. Bobby's after this bold season, prediction of the day. After this season, what's happening to LeBron? LeBron James is going back to the Miami Heat after this season. I think you're crazy. It'd be hilarious because LeBron just got rid of Cleveland's coach, <laughs> just made Cleveland give Tristan Thompson an enormous contract. Got and Kevin Love there over Wiggins. Yeah, got got, got them to there. trade their number one overall yeah, pick for, for Love. Yeah. He'd be the most hated guy in sports if he did this. There's no way in hell he's leaving Cleveland. LeBron has already been the most hated guy in sports once. No, not since he went back to Cleveland. He solved a lot of people's hearts since he went back to Cleveland. Yeah, but LeBron, he was no, the most no, hated guy in sports point. the first time when he, he left When he first Cleveland. left, yes. And then he and won two championships. Happiest years of his career. Yeah. So what did he learn? And his best friend is in, is in Miami. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I, just, I just look at LeBron. Um, I predicted back three years before he went to the Cavs, I've – Based on what he was saying, I predicted that he would go back to the Cavs the year that he did. So I, I told I told Thomas I talked with multiple people about so, it. It happened. So Bob is just a genius. I'm not. So he's I'm going not to necessarily Miami a genius. I'm year. just saying like like LeBron speaks. He he's very like cryptic talk. Crypt, cryptic yeah. in the way that he's and and he makes predictions. He's mentioned stuff like I want to play with Dwayne Wade. I want to play with Carmelo Anthony. I want to play right. with Chris Paul. All of this is possible, and I think it's going to happen. I think he will leave Cleveland before they win another championship. All right. Or thought, their why, first championship. Why is LeBron signing these one-year deals over and over again? Because he's maximizing his money. Kevin Durant's most likely going to sign a one-year deal after he's this holding, year. He's holding the Cavaliers hostage. He's making sure that he gets to make all the – like they don't have any any power. He gets to make the personnel decisions. His, he gets his – like Tristan Thompson is signed by an agency that LeBron is a major investor in. And uh, Tristan Thompson got the most bloated salary of any of the free agents last year in the NBA. Like he he gets to be the general manager and the coach unofficially of the of the Cleveland Cavaliers because of the salaries that he's well he's insane. He All right, so back to this. I gotta I want to talk about this as well. 
So we talked about LeBron and Kobe. Let's get back on topic a little bit here. I have another question for you. Who are you putting higher on the all-time list? Tim Duncan or Kobe Bryant? Duncan. Thomas? On the list of best player. Best player of all time. Best players of all time. Who are you putting higher, Kobe or Duncan? Kobe. I'm saying Duncan. I got to go with Duncan. It's so funny. Thomas said longevity and all this stuff. (laughs) Duncan has had just as much longevity, and he's made the playoffs every year of his career. So it's crazy. His stats are so good, but nobody ever talks about it. I talked about it last week. He's still one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, his team is still competing for a championship while, while Kobe's isn't. And he's uh, contributing to his team's big time. I feel like if you're going to start a franchise and you're hoping to win championships, you get a, like a 20-year-old Duncan or a 20-year-old Kobe, you got to go with Duncan. Like he he has a winner's attitude, I think. You're, yeah, I'll get I'll support your point big time here at the winner's attitude. So uh, let's compare the Tim Duncan salary and Kobe Bryant's salary over the past couple of years. So Kobe Bryant is pretty known now for signing this fifty million dollar contract, two years, right? Two years, fifty yeah. million, making twenty five million dollars a year. It's insane money. Completely crippled the Lakers' salary cap for for a little while. And what is Tim Duncan making? Tim Duncan's making $10 million a year. Tiago Splitter was making more money than him when he was on that team. Tim Duncan's making like the fifth lowest on that team at every player. And he's an all-time great. It's absolutely incredible how much of a team player he is and cares about winning. So, let, so let's give Thomas an opportunity as the guy that picked Kobe. Let's give him an opportunity to justify his stance here. Okay. So accolades-wise... They're, they're pretty similar, five championships each. Um, I mean, Duncan has won more MVP than Kobe, but I am simply going to put it on that Duncan had a better supporting cast and a better coaching staff throughout his, uh, throughout the, his entire career, Okay, I'm going to say. Okay. I can... and, and Kobe did, had to single-handedly do more than, than Duncan. He carried that team more than Duncan did. Not when he had Shaq. Not, yeah, not when he had Shaq, but I'd say I'm going to say. That's a very interesting stance. I never heard that brought up before. But, yeah, Kobe has had to go through uh, dark times with the Lakers where they didn't have players to support him, whereas the Spurs have been solidly ran, ran that whole time. Uh, well, one thing is he had Phil Jackson retired. Yeah. But all of Kobe's championships, he's had a really good team around him. Mm. Oh, yeah, very good. Very good. I mean, when he won his most recent ones, he still had Bynum, Gasol. He had a really good team around him, like other all-stars. Yeah. Um, no, great great teams, of course. We're talking about, like, he played with Shaquille O'Neal. already mentioned how dominant he was in, in case you're living under a proverbial rock. Yeah, Shaq was Shaq was rocking the NBA world. Um, and then the, the other Lakers teams, they were great. They had Lamar Odom, uh, Ron Artest, Andrew Bynum, Pal Gasol, just some of the most versatile and talented uh, players that you could possibly put around Kobe. But I think when we're looking at longevity and the story of Tim Duncan's career, I mean, part of this has to do with him taking the salary cap, with, with Tim Duncan taking the deducted salary. He cares about also. winning. It just shows he cares about winning yeah. so much. But uh, Duncan was never out there trying to pass to Kwame Brown and Mush Parker and relying on them as like starters on his team. He's been, he's had Popovich the whole time. He's had Manu forever, Tony Parker forever. And then in these later years, Kawhi Leonard is now a superstar and is uh, the main aspect of that team. You know, they both had great players. There's, there's no, that's why this is an interesting topic because they both had great players. A lot of Kobe's career, he had Phil Jackson, who's. Pretty well renowned as the best yeah, coach yeah, of all time, yeah. and Greg Popovich for Tom Duncan. So I think it's a very interesting co- conversation because they have the same longevity, they have crazy stats, and they both have won a bunch. Kobe, so Kobe had Shaq, and it's partly his fault running Shaq out of town. Maybe completely his fault, <laughs> but but he went. That team got bad, and then Kobe stuck around and was the main purpose they were good again. Like Yeah, but they stacked a lot of great pieces around them. That's true. And fellow all-stars on uh, that I, team. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Duncan had the same system of continuity the whole time he could work with for familiarity. 
And and I'd pay a lot of that tribute to Duncan. Okay, I know, I know, but I'm just saying Kobe. In a sense, it was more difficult for him to come back. And I mean, Duncan's been comfortable with these same pieces the whole time. Kobe's done it with two completely different classes of of pieces around him. I mean, Duncan's had the luxury of, I mean, maybe a borderline Hall of Fame point guard with him the whole, like, pretty much his whole reign there. Most of his first yeah. title, he had David yeah. Robinson and Sean Elliott and Avery Johnson and stuff. Right. To Tony Parker, just recently he passed uh, Steve Nash and Larry Bird on the all-time playoff assist number. That's not surprising yeah. at all. He's played in so many playoffs. Let's Pushed see how many more into, playoff games that Tony Parker's played in than Steve Pushed Nash. Pushed him up into number five. I bet he's played in 60 to 80 more playoff games than Steve Nash. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, we could, that's just, I don't know. That's just what just we guessing. Up. Could you guess who the other top five are? Uh, Jason Kidd? Yeah. Mark Jackson? Mm, I don't think so, no. Isaiah Thomas? No. Michael Jordan? No. LeBron James? Yeah, LeBron. These are top five. So I got three. Six. So I need yeah. one more, right? Uh-huh. Uh, is it old or new? Magic Johnson. Oh, yeah, Magic, Magic Johnson. Johnson. No, that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I feel like these, these guys are both great players. And congratulations, Kobe. I think it was... A hell of a way to go out and memorable way to go out. And people are going to be talking about this for a long time. What I think is crazy, just the last little addition that's interesting on this topic is like, yeah, Kobe's going out. What if this is Duncan's last season? It could be. This yeah. could be Duncan's last season. And Kobe's just got this big grand parade. Every teams are throwing in big parties. Um, the only thing I, The only thing I heard thrown for Duncan at all was like the last time that the Cavs and the Spurs played. LeBron James gave him gave him props and said this is one of the best players I've ever played against I've learned so much about being a professional from Tim Duncan and he's always been a role model for me and uh every time I play against him it means a lot to me and that was like the only honor that I heard Tim Duncan really receive all season from an opposing team and we're sitting here torn on who's who's got the better legacy I just think it's crazy well also I mean these other guys may not be in the realm of Kobe and Duncan, but there's some other all-time greats. This might be their last season. Is it Garnett's last season? Or This yeah, is likely Garnett's, Garnett's last season. He's not even playing anymore. He's pretty much a okay. coach. Okay, well, still, though, he was on the roster this last year. It might be Paul Pierce's last season. It's Ron Artest's last season. It's Ron Artest's last season. Maybe, He's not on the same not, level. Not, but. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, how would you celebrate Ron Artest's last season? Everyone Freaking yeah, punching people at yeah, all. You get a Palace fu- of Arvin Hills. Every time he comes to town, someone tries to fight him. <laughs> Actually, you know what's weird is I remember him for guarding Kobe Bryant so tenaciously when they would play each other. I love Ron Artest. Yeah, I liked him too. Anyway, Vince Carter last season, Dirk Nowitzki's career yeah. is coming to is coming. Is Vince Carter and is retiring? No, but there's pretend he's, he's two years older than Kobe is. So one that is incredible. But one thing that's different about all these people is Kobe announced it. Right? He said, yeah. "This is my last season," so he had time for people to prepare for it. He wanted all the attention. Or Tim Duncan, if he announced it, he'd be getting a lot more. Uh, yeah. It would not nearly be to the level that Kobe's getting, in my opinion, but he would be getting a lot more, and all these other players did not. However, it's very interesting. And also, it would be tough to set up like a career of Duncan highlights for his career. You know, bank <laughs> shot after like, bank shot. Like, like, I've watched so many highlights of like, oh, these are the top ten plays that Kobe had against the Minnesota Timberwolves throughout his career, and they're always t- fun to watch. What are you going to watch with Tim Duncan? This is... Him posting up some guy that he's better than, and he throws a hook shot off the glass, and that's, <laughs> that's it, you know. And just uh, as as uh, Raymer here decided to mention, it could be Ron Artest last year. Let's just go ahead and throw in Richard Jefferson as well, and Mike Miller. Also, could be their last season. I'm surprised they didn't get going away tours. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Yeah, they're they're something. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll be back here in a second. Give you some time for advertisements. Here we are, back with the Raymtown Riot podcast. Bobby Lloyd speaking. We got some exciting news from the NFL and a little breakdown on the upcoming NFL draft by Raymtown. Here we go. All right. So a blockbuster deal happened last week. And talking about the Kobe, how we talked about last segment, it's kind of interesting because this deal happened on Thursday night, the same night that Kobe went off in his last game. 
And they didn't tell everybody until Friday morning because they wanted to play respect to Kobe Bryant that Thursday night. Pretty side note, pretty incredible. However, this blockbuster deal. The new L.A. Rams moving St. Louis Rams moved to L.A. Traded up to the number one overall draft pick with the Tennessee Titans. So to break it down, the Rams gave up their first round pick this year, two second round picks this year, uh, second round pick next year, or third round pick next year, and their first round pick next year. Wow. Crazy amount of things for the Rams to give up. And the Rams received the number one overall pick this year, a third round pick next year, and a sixth round pick. And this is blockbuster. This is crazy, right? A number one pick, overall pick has not been traded for since Eli Manning. So we're talking 12 years ago. And the amount of assets that the Rams gave up to get to the number one pick is a crap load. However, when you look at it, the trade actually makes sense for both teams in some facets, right? The Rams desperately need a quarterback. They're going to the number one overall position to draft a quarterback. Either Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. Not sure which one they have more in love with. Jared Goff from Cal. Carson Wentz from uh, South Dakota State. Or, yeah, South Dakota State. And... It's really interesting. The Rams need a quarterback to get over that hump to a Super Bowl contender, right? They have a great defense. Their their offense has always struggled, and so their belief is get this quarterback in, and this will put us over the hump. So, so apparently, both these guys recently worked out for the Rams, and they must just they might must like one of them because they did this. They must be really in love with one of these guys if they were willing to make this trade. My question here is, is are they are they doing this? Is, are they influenced because they're moving to Los Angeles? Is this kind of like they feel like they need a face for this franchise moving to LA? That's interesting. That's an interesting topic. Um, I didn't I didn't really consider the possibility that th- that this could be like a big that the move to LA could have an effect on like them, them trading away so many draft picks in, uh, in eyes for a quarterback. Um, just real quick. I mean, it's kind of reminds me of this, the time in the NBA, the nets moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn and they decide to give up all their draft picks to get Garnett and Pierce and go move to Brooklyn with that team. Yeah. They gave up a lot of draft picks. It was a lot of aggressive move, um, trying to get, Darren Williams and then Joe Johnson and then Kevin Garnett and then Paul Pierce. It was kind of like, hey, we're here. We're here in New York City. We're, we're trying to compete for a championship. It kind of feels like that's what the Rams are doing. I'm scared that they might see a similar fate as the Nets as uh, – the Nets haven't the Nets haven't succeeded. It's been it's put them back in their future a lot, trading away so many draft picks. And I'm just not so sold on any of these quarterback prospects as being a guy that is uh, going to going to be able to carry a team far in the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, Matt, why don't you give a breakdown what you think about the quarterbacks? So it's interesting. This year, the two quarterbacks are head heels and toes, like I was mentioning, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Mike Mayock, actually, for the NFL Network, he's their draft insider, their most well-known draft insider for the NFL Network. He really believes Carson Wentz could be a Pro Bowl great quarterback in this league. And I think it's really interesting because you look at Mel Kuyper Jr., who's a well-known ESPN analyst for NFL Draft forever, he thinks Jared Goff is better than Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so fascinating that you have two quarterbacks and you have these so experts and none of them have the same grade on another one. You you can pull 10 different NFL GMs right now and it might be five to five. Five people like Wentz, five people like Goff. It's really interesting. So it's not a clear-cut... Who's the best? It depends on what you want, what system you're in, and how you're going to tailor to that quarterback. Which quarterbacks be more NFL ready? And it's really interesting. It's are you going to judge Carson Wentz, who played against a lot weaker opponents, right, and is uh, people he was playing against in college, or Jared Goff, who doesn't have the physical steel skills that Carson Wentz has, but he's a tough guy that stands in the pocket and throws freaking beams in there. And, that are really good passes. He has a great-looking throw. And it's just fascinating. And on the Rams' perspective, I personally think Jared Goff 
is who they're going to draft because he's more pro-ready in my belief right now. And he's easier to publicize in a lot of ways. He's, he grew up in California. He went to Cal Berkeley. He's right there. And I think the Rams are making that big splash that way on trying to get him. Uh, what do you think, Bobby? When I watch, I watch breakdowns of these guys and I have felt I, I usually tune into the draft around this time of year and of course I'm intrigued by quarterback prospects. And when I watch these guys, I wasn't as impressed as I have been in previous years. Uh, I was a big Blake Bortles fan. I'm still a big Blake Bortles fan. I'm not sure if he's a difference maker, if like what his uh, what his playoff track record is going to be. It's so tough in the NFL for these quarterbacks to succeed a lot of things have to go their way and they and they have to be really great like they're competing with the very best in the world and so when i see a team kind of mortgage their future and place a bet this heavy on one guy i think it better be it better be a sure bet i mean i seeing what happened with the redskins when they when they made like a similar trade you would think the the rams being the beneficiaries of that trade of all of all the teams in the league, they should know that they're taking a big risk because they're looking. Like when they, when they played the Redskins, didn't they uh, name every player that they got in that trade as a captain to kind of like? They're all great players that they got in the Robert Griffin deal that you're referencing to. However, none of them made a good enough difference for St. Louis for them to be good, right? They still made the playoffs. They still never did. They got a great defense out of it because yeah. that's who they drafted. It's all defensive players. And Greg Robinson, an offensive tackle, who ended up not being very good. So it's interesting. Like the quarterback just means so much. So they're packaging their future to get. They believe one of these two quarterbacks is their future. Well, did they not believe when they drafted Sam Bradford that he was their future? They did. And Sam Bradford early was really good. He was offensive rookie of the year. He had injuries plagued, of course, right? We knew this going into NFL. He was injury plagued, but he was offensive rookie, and he actually looked pretty good. Yeah, and then and he's still a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it's still impressive. But is is he the type of guy? Are are we looking at a guy that's going to be a franchise quarterback that consistently brings you to the playoffs? Are we looking at Ben Roethlisberger? Is is Carson Wentz Ben Roethlisberger? Is he Drew Brees? Is he Aaron Rodgers? Is you know? I mean, because these are the guys he's going to have to play against. We don't know. The The thing is, with NFL draft, you don't know. Big big question mark. Big big gamble. Well, you're so the Rams are really sacrificing the next couple years of their future for this one player. Yeah. And my biggest thing with this is the Rams' defense is great. Their D-line is phenomenal. However, you go to the offensive ball, they're not that good. They got Todd Gurley. They got an all-pro running back who's going to be a stud. He is a stud. However, their offensive line is not very good. Oh, really? Their receivers are awful. Tavon Austin is the best receiver they have. And he's a stud, but he's not a a go-to receiver. He can't be your number one receiver by any means. He's too small, and he... He plays the slot. It just doesn't work that way. And so how – what's this environment that this new quarterback is going to come into? Is he going to get sacked 80 times in a season? Is is he going to – he's going to have a running game most like this Todd Gruss. That helps on a good defense. However, his offensive line is not good. And it makes me a little worrisome with like what Sam Bradford went to where he got sacked like crazy. Or all these other young quarterbacks that come into the league and just get sacked and it – Beats them mentally. So that's like another side to it where... It's a lot of pressure for these young guys coming into the NFL. Uh, this guy's going to see like an obscene amount of pressure, whether it's Wentz or Goff, oh, whichever it's one incredible. it is. And then they are expected to succeed in their first year in the league. New stadium, new fan base. They they made a big trade in order to acquire these guys. And in LA. Like, in yeah. Los Angeles. In the first year in Los Angeles. I really, I really, really wish that there were more opportunities for these young quarterbacks to be able to develop behind somebody who already knows what they're doing. Um, I think lots of times the franchise is better off. Not because they're... They're adult men, but they're barely adult men. We're talking about like 22-year-old, 22 22-year-old guys. Their confidence in themselves... Is still shaky, you know. They they've never played on the pro level. I would like to see them come in. I would like to see more guys get an opportunity to learn, study. I mean, it's probably the hardest position. To, I'm not even gonna go there. It is the hardest position to play in sports. Like it's such a mental game, physical demand demanding thing that you have to deal with every day, and you're going against all the best players in the world. And I would just like to see them get more opportunity to improve at the pro level before we put them in the pressure cooker. 
I completely agree. Is it concerning at all to you, Raymer? Should it be concerning at all, yes or no, that uh, Wentz is the small school aspect? It is concerning. However, he has signs that make him feel – that show that he can get over that, right? Ben Roethlisberger was a small school. Flacco. Yeah, Romo. Flacco was a small school. Romo was a small school. There's a lot of people that in history – Fitzpatrick. That have been really well, – yeah, Fitzpatrick. They're at Harvard. But they're hoping he's better than Fitzpatrick. They're not drafting him to be a Fitzpatrick. But it's the only thing that makes it better than him. He's a big guy. He's 6'4", big hands, strong kid. He's got a hell of an arm. And his biggest thing when reading a bunch of insider information on this is that he has great anticipation on routes. And that is a big component in the NFL because in the NFL, the windows to throw in are really small. Most of the time, receivers just aren't open. You throw them to make them open, right? You're making yeah. really tough yeah. throws. And so you have to have crazy anticipation. And that's one thing Todd McShay for ESPN was saying is his best asset right now, besides his overall just physical prowess, is – his anticipation, which is huge. His size and athleticism is very impressive. I just think going from which Dakota State is it? North Dakota State, South Dakota State, North. So no one's ever heard of this school. No one cares. Well, they and won then five this, straight national titles. I would have never known that if this guy wasn't going to be a top two pick in the NFL draft this year. I wouldn't. I, I'm, a, I'm an avid sports fan. I wouldn't have known the <laughs> name of the name of the school that's winning the. The uh, Division Two National Championship, then, and he's going from that, and this isn't the St. Louis Rams he's going to play for. This is the Los Angeles Rams, the big city, the Hollywood Lights. He's in the spotlight. He's the quarterback on the new splash team, and it's just an entire. If they it, draft, it goes from like like me being happy about climbing the Sandia Mountains to all of a sudden I got to climb Mount Everest. <laughs> But it is a big, big difference. It's a big change, and we'll see. I mean, like, like it's not, it's not a sure thing. The Rams haven't come out and uh, celebrated. Say Carson Wentz is our guy. They haven't said Goff is our guy. I even heard a statement that they haven't even made up their mind yet, which I have a really tough time believing. If you're gonna like trade, you don't mortgage your future and not have a guy in mind. Yeah, Albert, I think it's really interesting. I think either quarterback that gets drafted is under an enormous amount of pressure. But looking at the other aspect of it, the Tennessee Titans, it was a great, I'm going to say great trade for them because they, they needed an offensive tackle. Larry Tumsel was projected to go there by pretty much everybody. And what you can do now is you get so many players who they need. They're a team that has a lot of holes. Move back to the 15th spot, and now you have so much flexibility to move back up in the draft, to stay where you are, see if a great another offensive tackle will fall to you, and just take the best available player. You have so much flexibility and get all these players for your future. And I think they're really building something in Tennessee right now. So many options for a young and developing team. I, I like their young quarterback. Um, I feel like instead of putting him on the pressure cooker to win this year, but instead like building a successful plan for them to be a playoff contender in two or three years, it, it, it's exciting. Big-time opportunity for them. Uh, I'm, they, I'm always a big advocate for trading back in the NFL draft with, like, how many, how many extra draft picks you get and how many times a third, fourth rounder turn, turns up being, like, a starter in the league. Well, it's statistics. It's statistically proven that the more picks you get, the much better chance you have to be good. It doesn't matter if you get – you can get you want to get a bunch of high-level picks, but most more second-round and third-round picks is statistically proven – to be a better idea than just first-round pick. It, it's crazy what Bill Belichick's known for. And Bill Belichick's not even a great drafter in the first round. One of the most amazing things is Bill Belichick has had so many failed draft picks in the first round. However, he's had so many great picks in the later rounds. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm excited for my Detroit Lions as we picked up the player personnel director from the Patriots because I feel like hopefully he's the mastermind genius behind this whole thing. Behind the Patriots picking up so many great players in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, and I'm I'm hoping that that uh, skill is now with the Detroit Lions, and they'll be they'll be dominating. I like your shot out there. That's right. So I'm uh, gonna take it. I'm a homer. All right, so we'll end that for the NFL draft for today, and next week will be our draft preview, and we will give you a breakdown and a much more in depth analysis as the NFL draft is at the end of this month of April. 
And it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a key draft for a lot of teams. And with that, we'll take a break. Breaking news here, back on the Raintown Riot. The Dallas Mavericks have upset the Oklahoma City Thunder in Game 2 in Oklahoma City. 85-84 was the final score. The Thunder shot poorly. They were terrible. Kevin Durant was 7 for 33 from the field. 7 for 33, okay. 33 shots, 21 points. In the age of player efficiency, that's a big no-no for one of the most efficient players in the league. How many points did uh, did he have? 21. Oh, so he's still continuing with his 20 points per game. Yeah, he's still oh, continuing okay. that. However, this completely changed the series, and it's now 1-1. If you look back the game one, OKC won by 40 points. And so we'll go to a little brief introduction here to what's happening in the NBA playoffs right now. Uh, so currently, there's the first round of the NBA playoffs. And you have the one play in the eight in the Western Conference is the Warriors-Rockets. And that seat, that's currently 1-0. Golden State's winning. Um, unique thing that Steph Curry rolled his ankle, though, in game one and pretty much set out the entire second half. So it'll be interesting to see whether he ends up playing in game two or not, which is tonight, and it just kicked off. And we'll see what happens there. Do you know if he's in the game or not? Let me check. I realize I can just say that, right? For me... I feel like you gotta play Steph Curry. Curry is not playing. Oh wow! See, the Rockets are not a typical eight seed because they're as talented as almost every other team in the league. And if you want, you want to keep them on their heels. You want to keep them kind of, kind of feeling not confident in themselves. You don't want, you don't want the Rockets going into Houston with a one-one tied series, and all of a sudden. The Spurs are going to blow out the Grizzlies four games in a row, and you might find yourself in a 6-7 game series with the Rockets. I mean, James Harden's one of the most talented players in the league. Duke can steal a game or two by himself. Oh, it's very interesting. I think I think if it's, what it really shows is that his ankle is more serious than they were playing it off to be. Mm-hmm. This is really what it showed because everybody kept saying, oh, Curry could have came back in game one, but it was a 25-point game, so there's no reason for him to come back in. For him not playing game two, it clearly shows that his ankle injury is more serious than we initially suggested, which for me as a Warriors fan scares the hell out of me. And But if Golden State could pull off a win tonight, if they're this great team, they are, right? 73 wins. They are a great team. Nobody can say if they're a great team. They are this great team. They should be able to win on their home court. This is the time of year when they have to show it. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what they show. Interesting stat on the Warriors real quick. We have so many of these, but in the final regular season game, Clay Thompson reached 266 three-pointers on the year, putting him third all-place, <clears throat> third, third all-time all in three-pointers made in a season, meaning if Steph Curry didn't exist, Clay Thompson would be the all-time career leader in three-pointers. So it goes Curry 1, Curry 2, Thompson 3, Curry 4. <laughs> well, it's clearly by far, hands down, the best shooting backcourt of all time. It's not even close. Let's go ahead and break down the rest of the Western Conference. All right, so then the two... Seed, the San Antonio Spurs are playing the Memphis Grizzlies at the seventh seed. And game, that series is 1-0, San Antonio Spurs. And the Spurs beat the hell out of the Memphis in the first. Memphis Grizzlies' best two players are injured. Yeah, this series. series Mike Conley and Marcus Saul are out. That, I'd be surprised if that's not a sweep. Yeah, that series is a joke. Moving on. Pull out the brooms. It's a sweep. Yeah, that should be a sweep. Yeah. Uh, Moving on. The three versus six matchup in the Western Conference is the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Dallas Mavericks that we just talked about who we thought after the first game was going to be a straight, maybe a sweep too, and now Dallas just beat OKC in game two in OKC. So this is very interesting. This could be a really compelling series now. Maybe make it six games. Is it possible six-game series? Seven games? Seven ga- I see Dallas could win this series. No way. De- they definitely could win this series. It's a, So you're looking at a team. You've, you've got two top five players in the league, but you also are running a more simple – strategy of how you win they run so much isolation and so much pick and roll and and you're playing against rick carlisle who's one of the best coaches in the nba hands Uh, down coaching advantage to dallas no hands down hands down yeah so so rick carlisle is great you're playing against all-time great performer um dirk nowitzki and on dallas mavericks have talent on that roster darren williams is their starting point guard that i mean i know he's inconsistent but that guy can light it up uh wesley matthews chandler parsons parsons is out 
He's hurt. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> well, I just want to clarify. No, it, no, it's like it, it is. Almost. It is worth stating. It's yeah. uh, that's my fault for not knowing that. But still, I don't. I could see the potential. There's been bigger upsets than Dallas upsetting Oklahoma. I could see the potential for that to be a seven-game series, or for Dallas to even come away in upset them and go on to the second round. So I don't see this series no way in hell going past six games for OKC is going to win. And whoever bet money on the Dallas Mavericks tonight in Vegas, they made a lot of money, so I'll salute to you. So let's move on to the next series. The four versus five, usually the best matchup in the NBA in the first round, right? The four seed playing the five. In the Western Conference, you have the Clippers playing the Portland Trailblazers. And the Portland Trailblazers is the young team that should not be in the we're not predicted to be in the playoffs right now, but they got two young stars in their backcourt and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, who's probably gonna win the most improved player. Playing against the Clippers, who have been there for a while now, and Blake Griffin is back and full action to go, and the Clippers beat the hell out of the Blazers last night in game one. Do you see this series possibly going seven? It looks to me like the Clippers are just have too much veteran presence and uh, too much too much power, too much playoff experience. I'd be surprised with the uh, with the young Blazers if they're ready to deal with uh, if they're ready to deal with what the Clippers can. How long at. has Blake been back? He got back like the last six games of his regular season. Okay. Do you know how the Clippers were per chance when he was games? back? Yeah. yeah, I think they're on a, they're five and one or something. Okay. Blake Griffin's a great he's a great great player in this league, and I think. That he's going to make an enormous impact, and their front line between Griffin and Jordan will completely, completely overpower. Might be the Clippers' best player, who they just got back. Yeah, it's yeah, arguably. I mean, so Chris Paul's great too. So I mean, you have two really good players, and I don't. I see this game going five. I think Portland will get one at home. What I do you see, Thomas? I'll say. I'll say Lillard wields uh, him the two wins. Two so, wins. So, uh, yeah, Lillard can do some pretty amazing stuff. So Shout say, out for Video six. Game Dame, yeah. best rapper in the league, best rapper in the history of the league. I might close our segment today with a Video Game Dame freestyle. <laughs> All right, so we'll move to the Eastern Conference here. We got the one versus eight. We have Bobby's Detroit Pistons playing against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Pretty tough matchup here. And game one yesterday, Detroit really held their own. This was a tied game with like three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then Cleveland pulled away. Detroit made some mistakes. Reggie Jackson was kind of ball-hogging, in my opinion. And uh, But either way, it was a great game. shows that Detroit can compete in the series. Do you see this game going – this series going six games? Do you guys see it? No. No. Okay, what do you I, think, Bob? I love my Pistons, man. They get down and dirty. Every, everybody knows the way Detroit plays basketball. They're the bad boys. They're not afraid to get in his face. I like what I saw out of the 19-year-old rookie Stanley, Stanley Johnson. was all over LeBron. Marking up LeBron. I mean, Stanley Johnson, he may be 19 years old, but he is 6'7", almost 250 pounds of rock. That's a big boy, and he's not afraid of nothing. He got right in LeBron's face and is, and is uh, giving – I mean, he's not outplaying LeBron. Obviously, he's the best player in the world, but he's – Second best. Second best player in the world. But I, li- I like what I'm seeing out of the Pistons. As long as, as, long as they're um, kind of giving it, giving it to Cleveland, I'll be, I'll be happy with a good series. I, I, hope, I hope they can win one or two. But uh, so I, I just like games? what I'm seeing. Prediction, how many games? I'm going to take uh, Pistons in seven. <laughs> all right all right there's a home there's well, a we're in albuquerque new mexico but bobby was born out there so i'm gonna call him a hometowner of seven games for detroit what a ridiculous pick either way i, I say uh cleveland winning at five anyway moving on two for seven maybe the best series that we're gonna find in this eastern conference playoffs is the indiana pacers the seven seed playing the toronto raptors the two seed and toronto the past couple years had a really good team, but they can't get out of the first round. They keep being upset, and this is supposed to be their year. 57-win team, franchise record, to get out of the first round. However, their first game, they lose at home against the Indiana Pacers. Making it hard for themselves, man. Just not uh, rising to the occasion, underperforming in the playoffs as they have done. It's, I think we might be dealing with like uh, they're inside their own heads at this point. It would seem so. They won tonight, so they even the series 1-1 to make it better. But the first seri- first game, Lowry and DeRozan shot horrific. And looking at the stats tonight, 
uh, Lowry and DeRozan, to give you background, are by far their two best players. They're the point guard and shooting guard, by far their best players. Looking at tonight's stats, Lowry was 4 for 13, 0 for 5 from 3. DeRozan, 5 for 18, 0 for 2 from 3. Combined, 28 points from the two stars. That is definitely not good enough, and they are not going to win this series if they shoot like this. That is That 28 points ties Paul George with his total tonight. So a lot of times I feel like I hear DeRozan and George compared as... as really? Big, George yeah. is way better. Okay, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. But I, I've heard DeRozan compared to George, and so far in this series it's been clearly evident that Paul George is, is the superior player. And, yeah. I mean, we'll, he played fantastic in that first game, and we'll see what he can do at home. They the tied game. the amount of points. So Paul George versus Lowry and DeRozan. George shot 16 less shots than those two combined and tied them in scoring. I think George is definitely the best player in the series. I don't think it's even close. I think Lowry would be too. I think Lowry's better than DeRozan. Lowry and DeRozan are big-time performers. Toronto's going to need them to uh, kind of step up to the plate and and start to play the way that they're expected to if they're going to make it past the Pacers. Pacers big are tonight. a serious team. This was a, a big serious coach and some serious... Uh, Potential to upset on Pacers. What's your prediction, Thomas? I'm going to say Pacers get them in seven. Bobby? Toronto in six. Toronto in seven, my prediction. All right, moving on. Now the three versus six matchup, which I was extremely excited about this matchup with the Miami Heat going into the Charlotte Bobcats. And to see Charlotte, who actually has a really good team this year, finally try to get over that hump in at least compete with Miami in the first round playoffs. Miami has way more talent. But by the means of yesterday's game one, it wasn't even a close game. It was a blowout. And I don't see this series going super far. I think Charlotte has potential to win two games in Charlotte, and I predict Miami to win in six. What do you think, Bob? Too much talent on the Miami Heat. I think they they do an incredible job with their management of bringing in good players and finding a way to uh, to lure players in there. Picking up Joe Johnson, uh, big time move for them. I think they got as much chance of coming out of the East as anyone. Uh, I mean, obviously the Cavs are the favorite, but if I had to pick one team to upset them at this point, it's got to be Miami Heat. Just so many, so much talent, so many playmakers and uh, great role players, great young players. I really like them. Probably the biggest threat to the Cavs and the Eastern Conference. Thank you, Rob. What do you think, Thomas? Prediction? I'm going to say Miami and four. Sweet. Ooh, clean sweep. All right. Moving on. Last but not least, the 4-5 matchup in the East. Very intriguing matchup. You had the young Boston Celtics by Brad Stevens, up-and-coming team, versus the veterans now, really, in Atlanta Hawks. And Atlanta Hawks have a lot of playoff experience. Uh, the Eastern Conference Finals last year, playing against Boston Celtics, who... Or keep overachieving. I think Brad Stevens is by far one of the best coaches in the league already at this point. And one big thing that happened in the game, unfortunate news yesterday, is Avery Bradley's probably going to be out the rest of the season with a severely strained hamstring. And if you know Avery Bradley, he is their shooting guard and arguably one of the best defenders in the game. And he also has a really good three-point shot. So this is could this is probably going to significantly impact them, but. My prediction is Atlanta in six. Thomas, what's your take? That significantly that sways me actually quite a bit. The Avery Avery Black Bradley injury. Um, we've seen the Celtics do some pretty impressive things this year with a, like a cast of misfit players, like some just like Solinger, just this chubby guy who's rebounding, getting all sorts of rebounds. Isaiah Thomas. Tiny little point guard, and they've just been winning. And I mean, a lot of that people are saying is Stevens, but uh, after this Bradley injury, I'm gonna say the Hawks win, and this goes in seven. Seven, okay. Now this is quite the matchup here because these are two of the most exciting coaches in the league. I feel like, like I'm a big fan of both these guys, Budenholzer. Um, Popovich's, uh, what, what would be the word? Number Under, one understudy, number one assistant for most of his career. I think he's been doing an incredible job in Atlanta. I think Brad Stevens is a basketball genius, a mastermind. I, I uh, showed what he did at Butler and now the success he's having in Boston. Um, I appreciate the significance of Avery Bradley going down an injury, but I think that team is mentally tough. I think Marcus Smart 
uh, is a extremely tough competitor and a guy that rises to the occasion and will be able to replace some of what they're losing with Avery Bradley. I, I like the Celtics. I'm going to pick Celtics in seven. All right. I like I like the Marcus Smart call. Marcus Smart, defensively, I think he's great. I think they won't lose as much defensively just because Marcus Smart is that good, his backup. However, offensively, he's a really bad shooter this year. And Bradley's quite good. And Bradley's really yeah. good. So I think that's going to hurt him. Spacing the floor will definitely hurt him that way. However... Marcus Mars, I love watching Marcus Mars play. He's so tenacious. He's such a competitor. And, yeah, I like it. So, one last question wrapping up this NBA playoff segment is, what is the most compelling series to you guys this first round? Bobby, you go first. Dallas-Oklahoma City with the, with the Dallas win. I'm just excited to see uh, how Oklahoma City responds. I've, um, I think... Wait, wait, wait. You're saying this, and you just picked Detroit to beat Cleveland seven games. I'm not going to pick against Detroit. What the hell I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. So. And you uh, threw out the stat earlier about LeBron being undefeated in first-round matchups. Too. Yeah. So, Bobby, you should just go throw a bunch of money down in Vegas. You're going to win huge. I'm not going to pick against Detroit. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not going to be on the radio saying Detroit's going to lose. It's not just not going to happen. So, pretty much fan base don't ever trust Bobby's decisions on a lot of things in sports. Right. I, I had some bold picks, but there's upsets every single year. I, I mean, imagine the implications of if Dallas beats OKC. What does that mean for Kevin Durant and free agency? Oh, it's a huge impact. Yeah. I, 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 Bobby, I salute you. You've made a lot of bold predictions and been writing a lot of times in the past. Thomas, what's your pick? So after this loss, it's hard to not say uh, this is the most intriguing series, Dallas, Oklahoma City. And Bobby pointed out, I mean, the big thing there, what's – Say say Oklahoma City loses, then what's Durant thinking? Was Durant still wanting to maybe stay another year? Does he just want to get out of there? Thinking, I mean, and that pressure that it puts on his teammates, right? On like like they're they might be playing, and it's not just a typical playoff series. They're they're playing for the face of their franchise. They obviously all of them want him to come back because he's their chance at winning a title. It just adds more pressure to the situation. We'll see how we'll see how it pulls You're right. Out. And this this was a shocking win tonight. That was completely. I bet the I don't know what the line was for tonight's game, but I guarantee you it was ten plus points. And my answer for this is I'm the Toronto and Indiana Pacers series. I think it's fascinating. Toronto is the second best team in the East this year. They have a really solid team, and they've been upset numerous years in a row. I hate to round. see them fold again. That yeah, would, the tr- well, biggest thing that I hate to see is Toronto. You guys know is a fantastic basketball city. It really is putting a lot of United States basketball cities to shame, besides Golden State. And it is uh, they had people in Golden the main. Golden State's not a city. Whatever, man. Freaking <laughs> Oakland. All right. Um, anyway, Toronto. They have fans sitting outside the stadium, watching the game outside of the stadium. They have it the main like part of. I've never been to Toronto, but they have a big screen set up. We have thousands of fans come in, and they have so much like emphasis and people wanting this so bad in Toronto, and I think it's awesome. So I really am rooting for them, but I want to get seven games serious. I want them to win at home in the seventh game. I think would be sweet because I think Paul George is a very underrated player, and I like to see him will his team to game seven. I like how Raymer throws in that whole besides Golden State when he's criticizing Bobby here for being a, being a homer. But <laughs> Golden State sold out like 150 straight home games. All right. At least Bobby's from Detroit. Anyway, do we – is anyway, that covers, that covers yeah. our uh, NBA playoff analysis? Yeah. We, let's, uh, let's have you, Thomas. We, Thomas has a really cool thing uh, to display to in the show. Well, first off, I want to I want to talk a little bit about an interesting story, personal story from the weekend. So, as you may have noticed, we did not open up with a uh, a roommate story as we have every other every other show, and that is not necessarily a testament to Bobby being a angel roommate. I was just house sitting this weekend, and I wasn't around to see him doing anything uh, on like misbehaving or anything like that. Instead, I actually had some misbehavior that occurred. So I was house sitting for a coworker. I one of the nights I had my lady come over and just spend some time with her. Today I show up at 
work and my coworkers back at work and um, we're the first two people there and she's like hey how did everything go I was like good and she's like no problems I was like no everything was good then she hands me a bag and I'm like oh did I leave something and she's like yeah just some clothes and at that point I just completely probably turned white or blush like crazy and I'm like, what clothes are these thinking to myself? So I just take the bag and go to a different room. And it's pretty much the worst clothes you can imagine that were given to me by my coworker that were accidentally left at her house. So what was in the bag? What clothes? It was a G string. Just some female attire. Some f- oh, how are you wearing, <laughs> So just that's kidding. that's all that has to be said about that. So uh, oh, would you sleep in her that. bed? Do you have sex in her bed? Anyway, I'll play the play. All, right, anyway. Bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I found some boy. Anyway, Thomas, what do you got here for? Okay, some lo- some local news besides well, nationwide news. Isn't just local. okay. Okay, nationwide news. I was just talking about my own local news, but some nationwide news is former Albuquerque Isotope um, Chris Story. It has been absolutely on fire to start the uh, the Major League Baseball season here. He, he's he been homering like crazy, and he's the new rookie shortstop for the Colorado Rockies. Albuquerque Isotopes are their AAA minor league affiliate, so it's just kind of cool to see one of our uh, isotopes just being so successful. Uh, we've had some other guys, other guys making... Big news in the MLB. Well, he made MLB history. He broke right. the most amount of home runs in the first four games of a rookie in their career. He's, right, yeah. He's, he's having he's an historic pace right now. He has eight home runs to start the season. But with that, well, that's another episode of the Raytown Riot Podcast, and thanks for joining us. I want to close it out here with a little shout-out to Oakland. As Raymtown put it, probably the best basketball city in the country. Um, I told you I would have Damian Lillard close it with a freestyle. Here he is, o- Oakland native. Here we go. Me being the chosen one was like a blessing interception. City known for homicide, majority depression. Grinding in the gym so I could live through the recession. Real goons show me love because they could feel how I'm connected. Background of a street dude, mind of a scholar. Just to pop our collar, man, we climbing for the dollar. I mean it when I say it, bro, we started from the bottom. Childhood friends dropping like leaves in this autumn. Don't believe time is money. Money is time. When you focus, man, you look up and your money is fine. I'm from a city where your friend will put a gun in your mind cause you eating and they envy all that glory and shine i swear to god it gets realer a city full of killers addicts walking around looking like the zombies off a thriller and sick and getting iller that's why my skin thicken now you see why brothers want to get away grab a snicker my mission took me to college where i picked up the knowledge and tried to stay away from violence inside escape the virus divided my folks from tyrants but i rise from that environment in my life it was perfect timing and my drive blew me up atomic um